Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast on the theme of marketing. I'm Chitra Narayanan, editorial consultant with the Business Line. In today's episode, we look at an entity that has captured everyone's imagination. That is the OMDC or the Open Network for Digital Commerce. Many feel that this is the next UPI and will revolutionize e-commerce in the country. For today's conversation, we have with us Shiv Shiv Kumar, operating partner of Advent International, who's very good at spotting trends and hence a constant on this show. We also have with us the man in the midst of it all, Shirish Joshi, Chief Business Officer of ONDC. So let me start with Shirish first. Many believe that ONDC is going to shake up e-commerce. and be a force of inclusion bringing in small buyers into the e-commerce fold how exactly is it going to do so the principle is to create a structure that enables a much wider participation we have known e-commerce only as complete solution provided by a single organization and regardless of which kind of e-commerce we look at whether it is hailing taxis whether it is ordering food buying stuff for home or office we, that's how e-commerce has always existed it's a closed platform where buyers and sellers both have to be present in the same platform but if you look at many other spheres of our life whether if you look at telephone systems you look at banking systems have been interoperable so i can have sim card of one operator and the two of you can have sim cards of two different operators and we can call each other or the same goes with sending money or receiving money three of us can have bank accounts with three different banks and in the old days our checks would have worked to send money from one to the other subsequently any fti mps and today upi can do the same so when systems are interoperable many things come into play which is first of all it allows many more participants unlike the largely concentration of power that we see uh, in in the closed market systems but more importantly it no longer becomes important for anybody participating to necessarily sign up with the largest entity only because scale is available to everyone so when we open a bank account we don't necessarily think about oh am i joining the largest bank or not and if i don't that might be a problem we tend to think that in closed marketplaces because you want scale and scale is only available in a couple of places but when you create an open network you make scale available to everyone and that's how we expect to do it again not uh, as a central entity much like upi where you develop the protocol and you allow private enterprise to build up so many uh, businesses and applications enable upi payments there were customized payment applications that came up banks started doing it and now even non banking applications enable upi payment messaging applications are doing it too so the way we will get there is pretty much the same develop the protocol develop the guard rails and allow enterprise to spread the word and ensure interoperability so that you don't have to have a complete system in place to be able to participate so you are going to let others do the hard work of or developing the apps I, and and that's the best way if you really think about how even the internet itself spread and in some ways we are like the internet of commerce in the initial days it was very basic you know when the first browsers and searching things appeared that's when people started joining then came free services like email then broadband and dsl happened speeds improved multimedia came then people started posting content so web 2.0 and user generated content so little by little then you had these queue busting services banking ticketing etc coming on board for some time it was technology and speed then came devices and mobile phones started enabling internet and that led to the next explosion and then commercial rates for data dropped and that led to next stage of uh, you know explosion so if you say who helped internet grow 
it was sometimes content, sometimes technology, sometimes devices, sometimes commercial rates, all of that collectively helped grow. It wasn't the central uh, entity that was managing the internet that did it. So in similar fashion, ONDC will provide the initial impetus, we will do the evangelization, uh, but we are looking for anybody and everybody to also play a role in contributing. So this will be crowdsourced growth rather than uh, centralized driven growth. Oh, that's pretty exciting. But on the other hand, Shiv, here, let me bring you in. There has been criticism that unbundling and interoperability, which are the two key propositions that ONDC brings, that this will actually lead to glitches and also it will lead to, you know, some winners taking it all and, you know, some people being left behind kind of thing. Your take on this? Yeah, I would say, Chitra, that anything which is technology-led, like ONDC is, and it brings a large number of people together, like uh, Sirish mentioned, okay, will to start with, have some degree of value destruction. When I say value destruction, I don't mean it in a negative way, but let me call it value migration. So when you unbundle a new offer, then the price of the unbundled entity will always be lower than the combined entity. Sirish gave an example of mobile phones. That's a great example in India. The more we unbundled services and mobile phones, whether it's music, whether it's education, whether it's SIM card, etc., the price has dropped. And India is today either the best in terms of the total cost of ownership in a mobile phone or the second best. So unbundling actually makes each component of that uh, vertical far more efficient and hence the thing drops. Second is, I agree with uh, Sirish that I think whenever you go digital in any sphere, I think the possibilities are absolutely limitless. You never know what your starting point and what your end point is. Take, for example, Aadhaar. You know, Aadhaar started simply as registering your name, saying, I am a citizen of the government of India. You know, two, three years ago, I saw a fantastic innovative use of Aadhaar, which was in the matrimony sites. The matrimony site said, this person is Aadhaar verified. Because in that business, trust is very important to say this person is who he or she is. I'm sure when Nandan and team started Aadhaar, they never would have ever imagined that a matrimony site would require other verification. And finally, on your point of winners take all, typically winners tend to be people who satisfy the consumer value proposition better than the others. If you are inefficient, the digital way is the surest way to lose a battle. If you are efficient, the digital way is the surest way to win a battle. These are all commentary which people say, you know, winner takes all. I'm sure uh, five years ago, everybody said the global platforms will take all and suddenly you have ONDC in the middle, right? So life will shape out and only the efficient and only the people who satisfy the consumer value proposition correctly will be the winners. It sounds pretty convincing and exciting, you know, the way you people project it. But uh, uh, I mean, if you look at e-commerce penetration in India, it's barely 8.5% in a population of a billion. So uh, and ONDC has been talking about driving penetration right up to 50%. But uh, even if the infrastructure uh, comes up for it, internet is there, internet penetration grows. The large issue is the mindset barrier. Uh, So success will depend on not just getting the small sellers on board, but even the enterprise brands have been pretty slow so far to onboard your take. I would like both of you to respond to this. So I think the past one year uh, has been uh, sort of an awareness learning curve for everyone. Till end of April last year, we were complete theory. And on 29th April last year, we had our first transaction. Today, we are clocking nearly 50,000 transactions a day. 
And in fact, just uh, January, we were less than 100 a day. So the growth has taken place as more organizations gain confidence, participate, and then start doing commercial activity. And I think uh, the last couple of months, uh, I would say we've seen an upsurge. We used to get an expression of interest from 100 organizations a week. Uh, in the beginning of May, we started clocking 3,000 organizations a week. So I think what's happened is that everyone was sort of, it's not an easy to understand one, although the idea of unbundling interoperability is simple, but it takes a while to get used to what it implies and how to work with it and what it unleashes. So I guess the first reaction was to think of it as one more channel. And because the channel is not large enough, therefore we'll wait and watch. So that was kind of part of the reaction. Part of it was just not understanding exactly what ONDC was uh, and how it would be different and therefore what it could enable. So I think some of that hurdle has uh, gotten overcome. Also, all the intellectual questions were there. Uh, how will unbundled commerce ever work, etc.? Will, will stuff happen as it is intended? Will the customer experience be good? The point is you can't get to a few thousand transactions if that weren't the case. We're now no longer our own employees and our partner employees doing test orders. These are now people at large ordering food. In fact, uh, there was a fair, fairly strong surge in, in food ordering via ONDC that led to a fair bit of media attention just a couple of weeks back. All this is complete public, not driven by us. So I think the question mark around unbundled commerce working uh, and enabling uh, will partly has been answered. And now uh, not just us or our participants, but even brands are getting on, on board. There were some food brands who noted the opportunity and did some promotional activity on the back of ONDC as well. That's what uh, will build up over time. The other question about penetration is that think about the billions that have been spent by the existing players. They all largely follow a similar model. For example, if you just look at delivery systems right to the end B2C consumer, it's always uh, a rider on a bike. Why is that the only method of delivery? If you look at India as an economy and just look at any Indian road and look at what all is traveling on that road, you will get a sense of the variety of transportation and delivery systems. You will see trucks, you will see uh, mini trucks, you will see tempos, you will see auto rickshaws, you will see motorized handcarts, you will see human-driven handcarts, you will have people who are pushing material on the road uh, or carrying stuff on their head. All those are delivery systems that have existed in this country. Now, when we think about, let's take food, since that's a relatively ahead of the curve development on our network. If you look at the traditional e-commerce food delivery systems, they all have a, a certain structure to it. Uh, food gets picked up by a, a certain quality of rider on a certain quality of vehicle, which has a certain cost structure. And that remains a challenge of delivery. But in our own country, we've long had the Dabbawala system that from its point to point, so it's not even a fungible source. When I want to, let's say, order a pizza, I could choose from a neighborhood restaurant. If I want to order paratha, I could choose any neighborhood restaurant. Dabbawalas are delivering from an individual's home to that person's workplace consistently at 20 to 30 rupees per delivery. Why should we then look at an expensive technology-based system? So I think the idea is that if you create a network where you allow a variety of systems to become a part of it, then you allow for much more kinds of options to get created. So ONDC is not going to be creating in a crowdsourced fashion a replica of the existing marketplaces. If we did that, then you know, that's a non-starter. What we're doing is we're creating effectively a mechanism for building blocks to combine. And because of that, you will have multiple kinds of models getting created. And the penetration 
will be driven by those models. So go back to my internet example. Internet wasn't driven by any one thing. It was driven by many things. ONDC will also get driven differently. And if we try to do it one way, then we will get stuck with that single digit percentage penetration that you mentioned. But if we have to get to strong double digits, you have to allow a way for multiple models to get created. Okay, so it's pretty disruptive. So Shiv, uh, what about your take on this, especially on yeah. enterprises and mindsets, you know? I mean, we've seen them like D2C brands came out of the blue and moved ahead on digital commerce, but enterprise brands were slow. Here, what do you think? I go back to the, the starting question you had, which is inter- internet penetration or internet commerce is low at mm-hmm. 8.5%. But if you split that, if you look at metros and large cities already, it's double digit. And this is the exact argument most of the FNCG big boys said it will never catch on. And now they're desperately trying to scramble. Okay, so everything takes time, but it's already double digit. Now, double digit means it's as big as big format retail or slightly smaller than big format retail uh, in most of the large cities. Now, imagine over the last 20 years, how much time FMCG companies have spent with large format retail. Have they spent the same time with digital? I would say no. Now, just look at e-commerce. Look at all the arguments which are given by people even five years ago. People said time and distance is a problem. We'll never be able to deliver on time. No credit card. That will be a big problem. You have a digital answer. Returns was one of the innovations which these guys implemented, which is not there in the rest of the world. Now you see buy now, pay later, which is an innovation which has come in the last two, three years with better targeting and better profiling of uh, consumer credit worthiness. And finally, now you actually have some delivery people promising you delivery in 10 and 15 minutes. Now suddenly look at the variables which are completely in sync with the needs of the consumer. Now, if you come to enterprise, we have 34 million non-farm enterprises in this country. Okay, total enterprises are about 60 million, 34 non-million. Take Mm -hmm. a simple initiative as the government is doing, which is ODOP, one district, one product. I remember studying a few states. Each state has at least five to 10 unique products. Discovery of those products, even within the state itself or the district, is a big challenge today. 96 to 97% of all search is local. And I think as and when ONDC puts the building blocks into each of these places, you will find enormous local searches and enormous benefit. And I think this whole issue of enterprise to enterprise or B2B is a completely untapped market. Basically, because we've always prided ourselves on, I know the person in that company, he will listen to me, I can get an appointment, etc. In a digital world, I think the chief purchase manager, the purchasing officer, all these people will be challenged to maintain a better price to their enterprise. Okay, so you're uh, saying because on B2B also there were many thoughts. There were one view was that, of course, that it'll unlock huge growth. But the other view was that it won't be, ONDC won't be able to integrate into the B2B space well. So maybe I she will, come I'll explain this. I yeah. think B2B has far more inefficiencies in their value chain than compared to B2C. Far more inefficiencies. Because B2B is invariably either production-led or long-lean time-led, etc. And I think various industries will behave differently. And I think you'll see dramatic change in the value chain in the coming days in B2B. Shireesh, your take? First of all, B2B is another of those things which has now gone past theory into practice. We had Mm -hmm. our first test case of B2B transaction. We were on Monday, right? About eight days ago. 
ordered and delivered. I can uh, kind of simplify the B2B world in three broad areas. One, which I would call the trading B2B, where somebody is buying the same item they're selling forward, like a retailer. So retailer buys from a distributor and then sells it to consumers. That's one kind of B2B. Another is where the entity selling forward is buying something else as an input, not the same item they're selling forward. So a restaurant, for example, will buy cooking oil and spices and vegetables, convert to food and sell that forward. And then the third is where the entity is the destination. So let's say when I'm buying my office furniture, I'm the end consumer. I'm not doing anything with the furniture to pushing it forward. So if I take these three worlds, which is the trading B2B, the input B2B, and then the destination B2B, the trading one is what we have enabled already. Because the taxonomy is the same, right? The product descriptions, everything is the same. We've enabled that. So now retailers can buy from distributors the same item that they are selling to consumers. Think of what this will do to the supply chain and the visibility for all participating organizations. And I have to tell you, OEM brands are extremely excited at the prospect of the entire go-to-market system now being digitally visible because every company has a certain universe that they're able to cater to directly. Everything else takes place through wholesale and indirect fashion. Now there's an opportunity for all of that to also become visible while being able to uh, maintain all the kind of discipline and rules around geography, access for distributors, et cetera, that were present. So once that is possible, then the next thing becomes possible, right? which is once the retailers are getting their input digitally, they're selling digitally, then all it requires, uh, and I think we're probably not more than two, three years away from getting a very thin, mobile-friendly ERP layer. And who knows, stores could be completely digital vis-a-vis uh, -vis having to take a physical store and having to digitize it. Stores may become digital also in the foreseeable future. So I think B2B has immense potential. I would say B2B collectively, just on revenue and participation terms, is somewhere two to three times B2C. And then mm -hmm. are, are the inefficiencies that you've mentioned, which is one is the volume of activity and then the betterness of that volume of activity. I'll give you another good reason, Chitra, which I don't think people are putting at the table. I think GST will force much more B2B interaction and ONDC being a very good bridge and a facilitator will actually benefit also. Yeah, that sounds... Actually, the opportunity size is huge. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, ONDC has been uh, compared a lot with UPI, the kind of disruption that UPI did. But UPI traded in a single commodity currency. And still, it took it some six years to pick up. And there was the push of the pandemic. I mean, that actually was the tipping point. ONDC has so much more complexity, complexity because there's so many more products and uh, services on it. So how is it going to scale? Is it that only certain categories will move and, uh, you know, I mean, and it also needs a push. So where will that come from? So Chitra, I think this is a, you know, massive jigsaw puzzle. And like with the jigsaw puzzle, you can start from any piece. There is no necessary that all, all the time a particular puzzle has to be begun with one piece. There will be clusters that form. You connect a few bunch of pieces together and in the end, all pieces form and the whole jigsaw puzzle is complete. That's, I think, how our journey is going to be. We've begun with a few pieces, more are getting added. Some are getting clustered. So because we have Kiranas, now the Kiranas are ordering from distributors. So that's the first B2B. So that's an example of a cluster that has taken place. And we will grow in this fashion. Eventually, one by one, people will see use cases and they will join. It's hard to predict because this is non-linear. Even our last few months journey, we could not have predicted the fact that you know, from less than 100 orders a day, we have crossed 10,000 orders a day. We would not have predicted, but we did. Uh, and I think that's how it will keep progressing. You will have players join, you'll have uh, inventiveness join, you'll have entrepreneurs who spot things they can do now that they could do earlier. And in unpredictable, non-linear fashion, we'll keep growing. So I have complete faith that we've seen one sampler with UPI. I agree with you. UPI was simpler. 
we are not as simple but then the indian entrepreneurial mind is also capable of taking on uh, this complexity and as i said we won't do it everyone will participate in their own way and do it i have a, a, a different point of view on that chitra which is see every new thing which comes builds on something which is there in the past and i'll give you six things which will actually build ondc number one is aadhar okay upi built on aadhar okay then you had global platforms amazon and now flipkart etc who built on that then you had brand sites which added to it okay so today for some good brands you could have 20% from their brand side like digital nike has 27% of their sales last quarter coming from digital okay then you have social commerce okay and there are models which have happened there and then you have social media and you have apps on which you can actually do commerce so you put all this together so consumer education which is actually the biggest challenge in many a category or many a concept is actually well developed right now you just need to apply it in a different manner so i think these six building blocks which we have seen in india will actually enable ondc to grow faster okay it's uh, it ondc really excites me actually because it's brought innovation back to as um, shirish also talked about the innovativeness of indian entrepreneurs you know i mean there was this criticism that we not we been slow and we have not developed social media like facebook and all but finally i think our digital guys have got going what do you say to that and i think it alludes to what shiv mentioned uh, what is sometimes called as india stack what is uh, more often lately referred to as public digital infrastructure uh, and i think the idea that if you build a common infrastructure then you allow much wider participation let me give you a physical couple of examples right i mentioned the highway a highway is a very good example of a physical infrastructure where you have trucks buses autos tempos luxury cars motorcycles auto rickshaws people on feet everybody using for mobility right it, uh, there is no incremental cost uh, or a burdensome cost to a small user vis-a-vis uh, a large one and so just the way that allows everyone to participate or think of electricity thank god we don't all have to produce our own electricity and when you take it off the grid it can run a factory and it can also run a small home infrastructure enables everyone's participation and what we are creating through these series of upi and aadhar and now ondc and account aggregator and digilocker are digital infrastructures that all combine and recombine that availability now unleashes far more opportunity and let me give you another example think about airport imagine if we asked every airline to build their own airport security everything right so we want end to end because that's the only way to assure it if we did that even the few airlines that make money would stop making money but thank god we don't and once there is a common infrastructure then even if you had only one aircraft you can start an airline and you can start adding to that fleet over a period of time if you have a large aircraft you can run commercial airlines if you have a small aircraft you can run as as a corporate jet so it really depends on on how you want to participate because you're only building that incremental cost so i think the idea of ondc is that if you create a digital infrastructure and we already have now participation right so for somebody to create that next thing as she mentioned it builds on what already exists you will be able to pull together solutions without having to build the components there are many ideas already on the table that are looking at now creating solutions now that we have buyers and sellers already on the network there are people who are thinking additional services that they can create because now they don't have to spend to acquire sellers they don't have to spend to acquire buyers that are available on the network so once you take these costs away then you allow uh, opportunity because in the end uh, creation is doesn't come free people have to invest 
and the opportunities in India and the size of the market, etc., to draw large investments a few years ago was not as fertile as it is today. So a combination of the growing market potential of India and now the ability to distill it down to core infrastructure that enables innovation, I think that combination is gathering momentum and that's why you're seeing the result you're seeing. Yeah, fantastic. Shiv, closing notes from you? Yeah, I, w- I would actually build on the airport's example. When, uh, when airlines started in America, they followed blindly what was done by the railways. And the railways were what were called as robber barons because they took large parts of land, built railway stations, etc., and kept, uh, you know, putting uh, railway tracks. Then airline safety as well as airline cost structure came under scrutiny. So then the government said very clearly, look, this is unviable. The government will take the responsibility of providing this infrastructure. And the government took the responsibility of providing NTSB, which is the Transportation Safety Board. And after that, airlines could then fly everywhere. Okay, so you cannot have each person doing everything. And I think making it interoperable and open is possibly the best thing that can uh, happen. And uh, staying on the airlines example, look at the number of regional airlines which are coming up. You're having regional airlines in every state where there are more than five airports. I was in... uh, you know, Wysag the other day when I went to I am Wysag, I couldn't believe it. I used to be an area sales manager in Wysag for Hindustan Lever. There was a Wysag to Karnul flight. It was just mm-hmm. stunning. I personally believe technology will actually help this whole issue of commerce and uh, ONDC is possibly primed right. Its trajectory, you can debate and argue how it will happen, etc. But I personally think uh, it's an idea whose time has come. Great. India is really leaping to the future, I can see. Yeah, that's the other one. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. See, India didn't need a social network like Facebook. We didn't need it. We didn't need an Orkut, etc. But India needs a UPI. India needs an ONDC. So I think we have to be very clear where we innovate. Okay. And if we are innovating in UPI, we're innovating in payments, we're innovating in delivery, we're innovating in accessing products at the best possible price. Those are innovations which are tailored for India using technology. Let's not worry that we don't have a Facebook equivalent. That That is a you know, wrong argument for me. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, I think these problem-solving uh, innovations are great. And thank you, both of you, for simplifying the whole concept of ONDC because, you know, still a lot of us hadn't been able to wrap our heads around what ONDC is. People still ask, is there an app and things like that. But now I think this conversation has made it absolutely clear about ONDC and how it's leading to participative growth. So thank you for joining us.